the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And, John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Holy Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he'd watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed him. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, Who are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. May be seated, and the children may come forward into this first pew right here for a children's sermon. morning. How are you? That's good. I have a question for you. How many things can you hold in one hand? Yes, Finn. Three? What are these objects? What are these three objects? Paper, pencil, maybe a book? Okay. Sounds good. Claire, how many things can you hold in one hand? Five? What are these things? You don't know? You're just very confident that you can hold five? I like it. I like confidence. Cooper, what do you think? Ten Lego pieces? The big ones? No, the people. Oh, the people. Okay, ten Lego people. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I can hold a whole lot in my hand. If it's grains of sand... You scoop some out and you're like, wow, that's got to be hundreds, right? And sometimes I have to carry like a bunch of books all at the same time. I don't feel like I have enough hands, right? 
Have you ever helped carry in groceries? Yes. Yeah? I used to get a phone call on the landline. What's a landline? Yeah. I used to get a phone call in the house and my dad or mom would say, hey, we're going to pick up groceries after work or after this or after that. You need to be ready when we get home to help carry in groceries. So we would get ready by doing nothing at all. And then when the van or truck or whatever it was came in, we would all walk out and we tried to take as few trips as possible in carrying the groceries. And this practice continues with me to this day. Now, I will tell you that at one point in my life, I could carry four gallons of milk in one hand and four gallons of milk in the other hand, which is an incredible amount of milk to buy, let alone... Yeah, I put, them on the, I put them on the fingers. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you put, you put them on the fingers, and you just kind of like weave them through there, and then you just hope your fingers don't fall off your hand all the way in. Now, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Do you think I could pick up anything else when I had four in each hand? No. Okay. Well, maybe, yeah. If I, if I really tried, I could have people load up my arms and maybe my head and my shoulders. Is it the most useful my hands are? Yes. Okay. That's true. What if, I, what if I did that all the time, though? What if I walked everywhere in life with eight gallons of milk? Would my hands be very useful then? Yeah. No, no. Because now I can't pick anything up. What if I'm trying to do communion and I have eight gallons of milk? What if I'm trying to baptize someone and I have eight gallons of milk? What if I'm trying to type and I have eight gallons of milk? My hands need to be unoccupied, don't they? I have nothing in my hands right now. You know why? So I can do things. Hands are best when they're unoccupied. That way, they have their most potential. I believe in today's story, the best thing that the disciples do is yes, follow Jesus. All these disciples, they just get up and they follow, right? And the best things the disciples do is yes, tell one another. But the best things begin because they're not doing much at all. Did you notice in today's story with the disciples that John the Baptist, with all the work to do, was standing watching Jesus. He was just standing around. Did you notice that with him were two disciples also just standing? I believe that it is good to have things to do, but when we're too busy, it's like having eight gallons of milk in your hands all at the same time, all the time. And you're never really useful for anything other than that. I believe that one of the best things for our lives as Christians, our lives of people of faith, is to not be too busy. Not be too busy. So I have a challenge for you. This week, I want you to make sure, at least sometime this week, that you are bored. Are you ever bored? You're always bored? Then you're going to be real easy at this. Bored? Yeah. And the reason I want to make sure you do that is because it's easy for us to think that we should fill our lives with everything. TV or games or anything else. 
And we never really stop to look at what's going on around us. When we're bored, we look around what's going we look around us at what's going on, don't we? So I want you to do your best this week at being bored. Okay. Not too much because that's really bad for your parents, but like a little bit. For a little bit. A little bit. Everything in moderation. Alright? A little bit. Sound good? Should we say a prayer? Let's pray. Gracious God, it seems confusing, but you find us in the least likely of places. Help us from time to time to have nothing to do but to look at what you're doing and to follow where you go. Help us to do our best with all the things we do in life and help us to have spaces where we can pick up and follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every example of this. I have. In the name of Jesus. Amen. John really is just standing there. John's standing there. John's not doing anything. And at first I didn't think John was just standing there. I thought that John was, you know, happened to be there at the same time Jesus was walking by, you know, kind of two folks going about their day. But then the Greek goes ahead and said John was standing there again. This seemed to be a pattern for John. Every once in a while he'd just stand there. I think it's important for us to have times when we're not being productive. I think it's important for us to have times when we're not busy, when we're not scheduled, when there's nothing going on. And there's a part of me, believe me, that has a visceral reaction to the words coming out of my mouth. There's way too much to do. And not only is there way too much to do, there's way too much to do in the church, in the kingdom of God. There's way too much that I'm called to be. There's way too much that I'm told to be. There's way too much that needs to happen for me to sit around being idle. And yet, the one who ushers in the kingdom of God in this gospel today, the one who ushers in Christ, the one who is called to point the people of Israel to God's anointed, is standing around doing nothing. Nothing but watching the people pass him by. And if it's okay for John the Baptist to be standing, and if it's okay for Andrew, a future disciple, to be standing, and if it's okay for the other disciple to be standing, who is also with John, it's okay, if it's okay for them to have nothing to do at four in the afternoon but to follow some guy and see what he's up to, then perhaps, for me, it's okay too. I believe that how I spend my time, and I believe that how I structure my days, and I believe that the choices I make tell what I treasure the most. 
And I believe that right now my schedule will tell you that I treasure productivity. I believe that my time would tell you that I treasure accomplishment and achievement and work. Man, I treasure hard work so much. And I bet I can find a ton of people that will congratulate me on that. That will tell me how I'm a shining example for my generation. But there's, there's this gnawing thing that from time to time I realize that I don't have time to follow Jesus. When Jesus says, come and see. Because I'm busy doing the work of Jesus. I don't have time to listen to the voice of Jesus in the body of Christ because I'm so busy proclaiming Jesus' voice. And I don't have time for the things of God because I'm so busy doing the things of God and I'm missing it. I'm not sure I'm called to have my treasure be productivity or accomplishment or work. But I think my treasure is to be Christ and everything else follows. Can I follow Christ? If you feel like you are, great. And if you feel like you're not, then change something. Now I also want to say that I realize that a slower pace of life is difficult and at times a huge luxury. I understand that what it takes to provide for a family and what it takes to provide for an individual takes more hours than it used to, mathematically, and it takes more effort than it used to. I understand that. This isn't this isn't meant to be the pastor standing up and say, take it easy, and then hoping you all just do it. This is meant to say that here in the gospel, we have a countercultural moment where instead of God appearing to the one who is most productive, and instead of God appearing to the one who has accomplished the most, God is here appearing to the one who is standing around. And for someone who is busy, and for someone who is accomplished, at least in part, I am angry, first, that God is appearing to the one who's just standing around. But then I am jealous that God is appearing to the one just standing around. And then I am sad, and then I wonder. Why won't I let myself stand around? Why can't I from time to time stand around? Why is there so many things in my life that keep me from looking for Christ and following? It's like walking around life with eight gallons of milk. You're not doing much else. I invite you this week to consider your schedule and your activities and your work 
and to ask when you look at all of those things what your treasure is. And that's a really tough thing. And I want to ask in a very gentle voice. If you find that you're pleased with your answer, thanks be to God. If you find that you're displeased with your answer, know that you're not alone. Whatever you find, may God bless you and us with space to follow God at four in the afternoon. May God bless you and us with space to hear the proclamation of God and not just speak it. To receive the invitation of God and not just make it. To be people who are comfortable standing around waiting for the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. In your work and in your standing and in everything else. God be with you. Amen.